Sorry, I didn't start the recorder. As you know, I don't usually know what I am to speak of until either right before I come up or, or when I'm up here. And so he doesn't tell me ahead of time, hey, you've got this four-part series coming up, so why don't you just develop a slide for it, and there'll be a part one, two, three, and four, and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do that. And I'm so thankful because I get to sit and listen much like you guys get to sit and listen. But we are on the fourth part of a four-part series. I know that in hindsight, I had an idea of it last week, so we went ahead and made up a slide. We changed all of the, the things on the podcast to this slide, and, and it was, uh, I'm trying to think of the name, uh, To the Overcomer, I believe, is, is what it's named. So I really want to encourage you to go back and listen through these. This is an extraordinary series. It's got nothing to do with me. It is what the Lord is doing. It is what he is saying. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those. Last week when I was listening, it was, I mean, it just brought me to tears. Again, not what I was saying, but what the Lord was saying in terms of relationship with him. And what that means. And how literally relationship with him is that John 15 friendship. It's not salvation. It's not our justification of sin, where we get that golden ticket to heaven, where we're sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot lose it until we receive it, which is eternal life. That's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. When we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, it is complete. Our justification is final. We are heaven bound no matter what. But don't be confused. That is not relationship with Christ. When you hear people say or pastors preach, do you have a relationship in Christ? That's most of what they're talking about, but that is not relationship in Christ. Because relationship, go back and listen again last week, relationship is a two-way street. Relationship is not us receiving everything And giving him nothing. In fact, Jesus said it will cost you everything. Relationship with him will cost everything. Everything. Not your 10%. Not just your money. It will cost you your life. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your love. It will cost you your sorrow. It will cost you at times anguish. It will cost you Everything, because he wants to be a part of everything that you do. So I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to this series. This this series, as it's turning out, is really a historical and prophetical view of the world. Right from the very beginning, right from where man messed up, What God had intended to be perfect didn't surprise God. God already had a plan. He already knew what he was doing. And that's what's been laid out. In fact, before we go any further, I just want to pray. Father, we worship you and praise you. I thank you for all the mothers here today. 
I thank you for all the mothers everywhere. God, in the sacrifices they make for their children, I thank you for my mother who sacrificed for me. It is a picture in many ways of your son's sacrifice for all of us. It is done through the lens of love. I thank you for mothers. Father, I thank you for this series. I pray, Father, that you burn it into our hearts and minds and spirits. That we know it. That we chew on it. That we as Acts, as it says in Acts 17.11, we be as Bereans and go back and consume between you and us, individually consume what your word has to say about this. Because this is something the bride must get. There is power coming. And that power will be manifest in unity. So Father, I give you my mouth, I give you my hands, my feet. I give you every piece of me to do with what you will this morning. It is not my desire to hold anything back. So I say, take it and do with it as you please. But let us hear from you. We love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, through this series, we've talked about how Satan rages the nations. And, and we're, we're going to get into that here in a second, but I want to talk to you, I want to share something that happened just yesterday that grieves my heart, but isn't a surprise. The, the news just broke literally, I mean, I, I saw it during worship, it came across my phone. But it's something that I think most of us here have expected. Most of us here were even aware of the beginnings of this situation. Do you remember about a month ago, it was at Easter, that this video went viral of this pastor telling the police, get out of our church. Right? The police came, and I want to say there were seven or eight of them. There were a lot of police. I mean, if they were coming there, you know, on Easter, that would have been awesome. But that's not why, why they were there. And this, this church is up in Canada. But this pastor went off. I mean, it was awesome. I, I bet I watched it five, six times. Watching this guy and, and his, his rage was over the fact that they would literally defile what the Lord had set in place and command them not to be there, not to congregate. And, and again, this, this is up in Canada. Well, if you watch the video, the video went viral, and, and most have probably seen it. If not, look it up. It, it's a great one. He calls them Nazis and everything else. You know, he really laid it out there. He was emotional, <laughs> to say the least, because it grieved him that this was being done against the Holy Spirit. Well, yesterday he was arrested. He is arrested. He is in prison. He is in jail. I mean, assuming that he did. I don't know if they 
have a bail system up there in Canada or not. But he was arrested, and I want to read something. I'm sure more will come out about this, but I just want to read this little clip of something he said. And and it it, it says, Pastor Arthur Paulowski, the head of Calgary Streets Church in Alberta, Canada, and his brother David were arrested and charged with organizing an illegal in-person gathering. The Calgary Police Department said in a statement. Video capturing the arrest showed several police vehicles parked on the street as officers carried the handcuffed brothers away, who appeared to refuse to walk on their own. (laughs) Me too, man. You're going to take me away. You can carry all 250 pounds here. Bring a couple of people. An onlooker can be heard telling the officers, Shame on you guys. This is not communist China. Don't you have family and kids? Whatever happened to Canada, God keep our land glorious and free. What a statement. What a statement. Guys, be ready. Be ready. This is coming to America. It may not be coming for COVID, I mean, we, we were ready for it. We thought it was going to come because of COVID, and maybe it still will. Really doesn't matter what it comes for, but it will come. It will come. Why? Because the bride must rise. The bride was, must rise up, and there is nothing that causes the children of God to raise up more than persecution. Nothing. So it doesn't mean that you ask for persecution. It doesn't mean that you want it. It is just a natural flow of when you reach out to the heart of God and say, God, I want you. I want you. Why? Why is it a natural flow? Why must we go through persecution in this? It's because the rights of this world were given away. That's what this series has been dealing with. When it was first given away by Adam, and then at the Tower of Babel, God literally gave the nations away to be run by other principalities. But then, as we talked about last week, he had a plan to take it back. He had a plan. It was through the manifestation of himself through his son, became a man. Literally purchased Back the right. Think about it this way in human terms. He went to court and by his sacrifice, meaning Jesus, he won his court case of ownership. Jesus now is the rightful owner of the world, of his creation. Honestly, that he was owner of before. But because he entrusted it to man, man gave it away. A man had to reclaim it. So you wonder, why in the world is it not under his rule now? It's because he's calling on you. He's calling on his bride to come together, to come together in unity, 
and to trust him, to be his hands, to be his feet. See, he's not going to come and just do it for you. How does that build relationship? If, if you're in relationship with somebody and you're trying to help them through a, a really difficult time, especially I, I'm thinking in terms of a, a parent to a child even, one of the worst things a parent can do is take that trial away from them or perhaps a spouse to take that trial away from that spouse. Because God intends that there to bring good. Intends that trial to gain gain our attention. To help us to see paradigms that we would not otherwise see. And the reason for that is because as humans we easily get caught up in this world. It's very natural. We all do it. It's natural to look at our schedule this week and realize how in the world are we going to accomplish everything we need to this week but God without putting all the things in there that he intends see he wants to do that so he is bringing the nations back we started to talk about that last week began to lay it out Go back and read those things. Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 82. Recognize what God is doing, otherwise you will not be a part of it. Do you understand that? Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you don't get that ticket to heaven. But remember what it says in Revelation, to the one who conquers. Not to the one who recognizes Jesus Christ as Lord and, and then lives their own life the way that they want to. It's not a conqueror. It might be a saved person, but it's not a conqueror. You want to be a conqueror because you want to be a part of what he's doing. We live in the most exciting times in human history. Apart from what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Do you understand that? Do you understand how privileged you are that what is laying at your feet is opportunity? Opportunity. I mean, it just blows my mind. So, so let, let's go back to this study, what we were doing. I, I, I want to go over just a short piece from last week. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 16. And this time I'm not going to dovetail, so we'll, we'll, start, we'll start in verse 19. But there was something that I wanted to point out about this, and then we'll move on, because there are other verses that go with it. Verse 19 of Romans chapter 16 says this, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good, and innocent as to what is evil. I want to say something about that because I don't recall saying it last week. But it's been on my heart. This does not mean be good and pretend evil doesn't exist. Because that's what we do. That's what, the, that's what I did for 40 years in the church. Try to live my life in a good way because I love the Lord. Try to live in a good way. And, and really, really, we think of being innocent to those things which are evil. That, that means 
I just, if I don't pay attention to it, if I pretend it's not there, if I don't give him any of my voice recognizing that the evil is there, then that's being innocent to the evil. I've heard pastors, well-known pastors, say, I will not even speak of the enemy because I will not give him his due. Guess what? You just gave him his due. Because what he wants is to be hidden from you. That's what he wants. That's not what this verse says. What this verse says is say is to be innocent to that evil. The Greek there talks about being pure from it. Being separated from it. Being different than it. Being innocent to what it means to be evil. The only way you can do that is to recognize that you are in a battle. There is evil after you. There is evil. They can't get your soul. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into into your heart, your spirit is sealed. They cannot change that. But what they can change is your will. They can change your mind. They can change your choices. And so often, how they do that is complacency. How they do that is little by little saying, it's okay to move along with this because it's just compliance. Man, are you watching the news? That happens every day now. Every single day. Just a little bit more compliance with this. I, 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 love, I love going places with Michael. He probably doesn't even know this. I love going places with him because he will flat out refuse to wear a mask. I mean, even with me, I'm like, dude, I got my mask on. You know, if I'm going to shop at Home Depot, they're the owners there. They, and, and he respects that. And, you know, I walk about five feet ahead of him. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I love it because he goes in there. He is determined. He will not walk in that life. He will not walk in that lie because that's what it is. Now, when they ask him, he'll put one on. I love how he puts it on them, though. Do you have a mask? No, I don't. Well, you need to wear a mask. Well, can you get me one then? I think he probably has a little storage bin full of these masks. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like, kinda like the, the baseball players that would steal plates every time they did it. They put their gloves up you know, as a memory of that stolen base. Maybe Michael just pins it up on the wall. I don't know. Probably not. But see, he isn't going to live a lie. Do you see how the bride is being forced to live a lie? Do you see how the bride is being forced to think, well, you know, I've taken other vaccines. I've taken other vaccines. It's, it's okay. This is just another vaccine. Do you know I could I could so easily say that because in my passport I have a vaccine for yellow fever that we we have to show a paper when we go to Nigeria 
We, when we go through customs, they say, let me see your vaccine paper. There it is. Wouldn't be hard to fake. <laughs> it's just yellow paper. But still, I show it to them. I got the yellow fever vaccine, even though I, did I, was I afraid of yellow fever? No. But see, this vaccine is different. Don't be confused. This vaccine is very different. First of all, it's not even a vaccine. This is a way, a further way to desensitize the bride, to desensitize her into coming together. But I love the verse where God says he takes everything Satan does and turns it to good to those who love the Lord and those who are called according to his purpose. Because each of these things that are happening daily now, it it is just another thing that starts to block the bride in, kind of enclose the bride in these walls before finally one day she will break out. She will break out. So, so don't, don't feel you have to be, when it says innocent as to what is evil, doesn't mean you're not supposed to be aware. Oh man, you got to be aware. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. We talked about it last week. I won't get into it a lot here, but I want to emphasize the word your there. Your. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's not talking to Jesus Christ here. This isn't about him being crushed under Jesus' feet. Why? Because he already was. Satan was never at the point of being equal with Jesus. Never. Never even in the same race. Never even in the same running. Jesus crushed him because Satan had control over death. Jesus crushed that at the cross. Romans was written after the cross, and this is a prophetic statement. Hadn't happened yet. Guess what? Still hasn't happened yet. But it's coming. It's coming. He's going to crush Satan under our, the bride's feet. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Actually, before we go there, we talked about this real quick, but turn to Genesis chapter 3, because there's something else that he says in regards to crushing here that I want to point out. Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15 say this. The Lord, And, and you know Genesis 3, it's the fall. It, it's when, when Adam sinned. Verse 14, and, and this is in what came after. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise. The same word there in the Hebrew is really crush in both things. He shall crush your head. You shall crush his heel. Okay. I want you to notice a couple things here. If you understand the, 
the chapter 3 of Genesis, you know this is not talking about simply a snake. Right? This is not just talking about some supernatural snake that, that had arms and legs and, and all that. That's, that's not the point of this. The point of this is that there was something behind this physical being, this serpent. And I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. I don't believe that this was snakes at all. Everybody's looking at me like, go down the rabbit hole. Uh, study it. I believe they were dragons. But I'll leave it there. There. That's your confusion for the day. But it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Okay, between your offspring and her offspring. Is it talking about snakes? I know lots of girls that love snakes. Probably not too many, but I know I know lots of them. You pull up YouTube, you see them all the time holding snakes. This is not talking about I will make women hate snakes. It's not what this is. It's saying that there will be enmity between your offspring, which is human, and your offspring, get this, your offspring, which is divine. Ooh. Okay, that's that's a little tough. Wait a second. Offspring that's divine. And, and, and by the way, what I mean divine, I mean angelic. We talked about this, I want to say, last week or two weeks ago. I'm not sure. Go back and listen. Genesis 6 was all about what was going on here. Genesis 6, in addition to after that, was what was on God's mind as he's throwing this curse out there. But what he's really saying is there is going to be this battle that ensues. It begins now, Genesis 3, and literally goes until the conquering. Where your offspring, humans, will be against your offspring, Satan's offspring. I'm just reading you what it says. Go back and study that. Understand the battle that we are in is a raging battle. And part of that battle is that Satan keeps it quiet that you don't recognize that's what it was or what it is. But he said, this battle begins. And then he had this beautiful prophecy for the battle. That, yes, Satan's offspring will be able to bruise or crush the heel of the human offspring. But the human offspring, through Jesus Christ who becomes a man, will crush the head of Satan. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14. I love this because this is, this is when uh, Israel was held captive in Babylon. And then what's put out here is effectively a taunt. And it's not just, you've got to understand, it's not a taunt to Babylon. I mean, yes it is, but it's not, a, not just that. It is a taunt to Satan himself, to his third of his angels that came down, to his offspring 
the Nephilim, which are also the, de- the demons, the demonic spirits. So I, I just want to start at Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. By the way, notice that you're going to see that a little bit later. O day star to the ancients in the ancient Hebrew is the same as morning star in the New Testament. Okay? It's, it's those stars that, that would be bright early in the morning. You can see all stars at night, but, but in the day, at, in the morning specifically, you can see these day stars. Those are called morning stars. The ancients believed that those were inhabited by divine, by divine spirits. So, O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my... Now, now, by the way, recognize that and the next phrase. Let me, let, let me read them both. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. Okay, in this, recognize something. This is a battle between mankind... And the divine realm led by Lucifer. This is not him thinking he's even got a chance to be above God. He knows he has no chance. But what he does have a chance at is to get your worship. To get your obedience. To manipulate your life. That's what he's talking about here. I will ascend to heaven above the stars, above the other divine of God. Above the other angelic divine of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. Here's another rabbit hole I'm not going to go down, but we'll talk about maybe sometime. He is talking here about Mount Hermon which is in today's Lebanon. Mount Hermon is, from the ancients, believed where Genesis 6, where the angels came down and slept with the daughters of Eve. It then became the... It, it, we, we sang about it today when... when I, think, I think it was in one of the songs where it said the, the, uh, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Okay, Mount Harman is, is where you have the Mount of Bashan, the Bulls of Bashan. Some of these things will start to ring a bell. But those are considered the gates of hell. It wasn't to say that the gates of hell will not be able to fight against God. That's not what that verse talks about, and we won't look it up. You can take this and and run with it yourself. What it's talking about is that the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the assault of God. See, God already has his mountain. He has Mount Zion, which is Jerusalem. Jerusalem's on a mountain. But if you read in Isaiah, if you read in Daniel, if you read in a couple other passages, he says... I want the northern mountain. He's talking about Mount Hermon. He's talking about the gates of hell. He wants that as a trophy for himself. Because that's where Satan said, I will rise up 
in my own assembly, in my own divine council. I will rise up and have my own thing. God said, no way. No way. You may have had that for a while, but it will be taken away. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to Sheol. Recognize as we begin this verse 15 that this is prophetic because it has not happened yet. You are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. By the way, that is different than the abyss. That is, that is a special place in the abyss. Just like in Genesis 6, there was a special place fashioned for those angels to be taken. Verse 16, those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew cities? Who did not let his prisoners go home? Did you guys, did you guys hear that? Did you hear what he proclaimed here? What Isaiah was proclaiming here? Verse 16. Remember what's happening. God has already said, you have tried to rise up like the Most High to have your own counsel, to have your own worshipers. You have decided to do this. So now, I prophesy you will be laid low. You will be taken down to a special place in the abyss. Literally, to Sheol, which is where the demonic spirits go. And it says, those who see you will stare at you and ponder you. (laughs) Does that not jump out to anybody else? I mean, think about what's going on there. This is a physical thing happening. This is something, not just the people in heaven getting to know what's going on. This is the bride here on this earth seeing Satan bound, taken to Sheol, taken to that special place. We're going to be able to see it. We're going to see it happening because it, and and I'll say this, I don't think it's just the bride because I think the bride who is fully in tune with the Lord, this wouldn't surprise them. But look in, look, look in verse 16, the people who see this, they, they ponder, they're surprised. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man that? Made the whole world lay low? In other words, is this the one that screwed everything up? Him? Seriously? (laughs) Him? See, they're going to see him and they're going to wonder how. They're going to wonder why. But the bride will know how. The bride will know why. But notice, that is coming. I want you to turn now to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to go through some of these. I I really want you to, again, go back, take these scriptures, dig into these, because they're important. But this is not what is coming in the thousand-year reign of Christ. I mean, it is and is not. Obviously, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. 
But what is coming right now for the bride, Satan will be bound. Can you believe that? See, it's extraordinary. Satan is actually going to be bound twice. Mm. You've got to wonder, if he's bound the first time, why in the world does he get let loose? Technically, he gets let loose twice. Because he gets let loose after the thousand year reign. But he gets let loose after he's bound with the bride as well. See, he has to be bound because these things that God has promised could not come to pass with him in charge. He will be bound. That's why I believe people will see it. It will be a physical thing. I can't explain that. But there will be people that see it that don't even understand why. And they just look at it like, seriously, this is the guy that you've worried about this whole time? Having no clue what he has done or who he is. But let's, let's look in Revelation chapter 2. We'll start at verse 26. To the one who conquers and who keeps my words until the end. Now recognize here something very important. Jesus is the one writing these letters. This is not John. Right, John wrote the rest of the book. These letters were given to him by Jesus. He wrote them down, but these were word for word from Jesus. If you want to verify that, read chapter 1. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from the Father, and I will give him the morning star. Does that ring a bell? We just talked about that. Now, many theologians look at this, Theologians I really respect, I disagree with, because they think this is Jesus. That Jesus is saying, if you conquer, I'll give you me. When you say it like that, it just doesn't make sense, does it? See, because I already have Jesus. I already have him. I don't have to conquer first to have him. I have him First in salvation, justification of sin, but then I have him in relationship. He is mine. And that's why this verse can be very confusing. This is not talking about Jesus Christ. In fact, if you go later in that book, in Revelation chapter 20, John uses the phrase with Jesus, and this is what brings the confusion in. Jesus is known as morning star as well. He's also known, I believe it's in 1 Peter, as the morning star. But see, John, who was putting this book forward, if you will, to the bride, to the church, he put in a word, a disclaimer, which really separated the two. In, verse, in chapter 20, Jesus is known as the bright morning star. Now, it wasn't saying that Jesus was one of the angels. Don't be confused about that. That's not what calling him a morning star is. Calling him a morning star was a separation of the fact that he's human, but he is divine. He is divine. He is of 
not of the human world, but his origin is of the divine world. Does that make sense? To the one who conquers, who keeps my work unto the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. That means ruling the nations. See, I used to think this was all just the thousand-year reign, but it's not. This isn't even written to the Jews. This was not written to the Jews. These letters were written to the church. They were written to the Gentile nations. So, to the Gentile nations, to those who conquer, I will give them authority of the nations. I will... Let them rule with a rod of iron, similar to what will happen in the thousand-year reign. And for those of you who have been here a while, we've talked about this. We've talked about this. Pull up the podcasts where, where we are in a foreshadowing of what God wants to do with Israel. What he wants to do with them, literally Romans 11, 11, to make them jealous. He will foreshadow what he is doing in the thousand-year reign. In the bride right now. And I will give him the morning star. In other words. Satan's head will be crushed under your feet. Kind of sounds like a verse we just read. Do you see the picture of what's unfolding here? See, Jesus Christ wants relationship with his bride to bring the very power through his bride that subdues the enemy. Not just the familiar spirits that we deal with every day, but literally the head. To crush the head. That's what he will do. He will give the bride the morning star. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3. Just another page over. And this is what I was laughing about in, in the first song of, of worship today. Because <laughs> literally this is what that song talks about. But Verse 9. And again, this is another letter from Jesus to the churches. To the Gentile nations, to the bride. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold. Now, let me, let me just quantify that a second. What that's talking about. That's talking about the world. That's talking about those who, well, they say they believe in God, but they really don't understand. They really don't know. They lie and just say, yeah. I'm a Christian. How many do you hear say that? All over the place. It's an identity. Those who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, behold, I will make them come down and bow before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. What an extraordinary statement. What an extraordinary statement. I will make them come down. Make those who do not believe, those who say they are believers but are not, those who are not passionate, those who don't give their credence to a creator. I will make them come, and the Greek word there is bow down and pay respect. 
doesn't mean that they will worship the bride. It said that they will come and pay homage. They will pay respect. They will recognize that the bride is led by the very creator God. They will see this. They will honor. And it said through that process, they will learn how much I love you. That's what it says. I will make them come down and bow before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. Recognize this is going on. This is the process in which he has already started. Boy, it doesn't look like it though, does it? No, in fact, it looks opposite. Pastors are being arrested. People are being maligned. You know, believers, man, it's like it's getting to the point where you don't even want to admit you're a believer. You don't want to admit that, no, yeah, I, I'm not going to succumb to what they say about COVID. I'm not going to succumb to what they say about the vaccine. There's so much pressure now not to even admit it. That's because God is setting up where his power will do it. Guys, nothing has changed. I'm going to say it again. haven't said it in a while. Nothing has changed in God's plan. God's not surprised that Joe Biden is sitting in the Oval Office. He's not surprised. Doesn't mean he's rightfully there, because he's not. He is not even rightfully our president. That's why I will not call him my president. And if they get upset about that, I, I think I have a right because others did that with Donald Trump for four years when he actually did win. <laughs> but nothing's changed. It's not about the leadership of this country. You want to recognize what God's doing. He is rising up a leadership that Donald Trump will become a part of. Do you understand that? Not that Donald Trump will lead. He will be a part of. Because the leadership will not be in a man. The leadership will be in Jesus Christ himself. That's the readying of the bride. That's what he is doing through his bride. And by the way, if you want to get clued in to that, if you really want to understand that, you can't without relationship with him. But as you build relationship, guess what? He's not going to tell you any different than he tells me. He's not going to. Because he doesn't, he doesn't manipulate. He doesn't lie. That's why relationship is so critical in what we're doing. But understand the times in which we live. Revelation 3.9, again, go and pick that verse apart. Such an extraordinary, extraordinary thing. But it, the whole point of it is for the bride to become ready. The bride is to become ready. I want you to turn to Revelation 11. And we've only got a few more here. Revelation 11, verse 15 to 18. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. 
And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. By the, by the way, this is different than when Jesus said to the Pharisees when He literally proclaimed that His presence has brought the kingdom of God. That His the kingdom of God was here on earth back when Jesus was walking the earth. He said it. He proclaimed it. But that's different than what this is. Because, see, his kingdom was not something he was coming to conquer himself. That's literally why they threw him up on the cross. Because he was supposed to come as a conqueror. And he didn't. So he's a false prophet. So he's a false messiah. We'll hang him. Well, kind of played into God's plan. But understand... That in this seventh trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the kingdom of the world has become. Has become. In other words, it is complete. It is purified. It is over with. God's kingdom rules this earth in the seventh trumpet. And he shall reign forever and ever. And, and by the way, go, go ahead and read that, that seventh trumpet. It's also considered the third woe. I won't get into it now, but this has nothing to do with Israel. Except for the fact that it will make Israel jealous. And I know that will confuse a lot of people. I can't get into it now. But this has to do with the bride. Let's turn because that is readying the bride. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. Just a couple more here. I will finish today. <laughs> that I promise. 1 John chapter 3, three we're going to read verse 2 and 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we will know that when He appears, when Jesus Christ appears... We shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Okay, recognize what what it's saying here. Remember, we just talked about the trumpet. We talked about the kingdom of Christ becoming full and complete on this earth. Right? He's ruling with a rod of iron. This before This is before the thousand year reign. This is before the tribulation. This is what's coming right now. Right? And and he says, when he appears, we shall be like him. How's he going to appear to his bride? It's this little thing we call the rapture. It's this little thing that we all, in, in every generation, it's like, well, I hope he comes in my generation so I don't have to die. Right? I... He will appear, and in the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, which, by the way, if you know what a twinkling of an eye is, it's when the sun hits your retina and you see that little sparkle. It's so fast. It's not the blink of an eye. It's the twinkle of an eye. It's, it's, it's remarkably fast. But we shall be, it says here, when he appears, we shall be like him. Why? Because we'll see him. Now, the extraordinary thing that hit me about this just recently in the last few weeks is the tense of that statement. It's past tense. 
Look, look in the Greek. Study the Greek here. And, and by the way, you don't have to know Greek to study Greek. I mean, in, in there, there are so many tools today to dig into Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to do it. So, so I want to encourage everybody to do that. Dig into the Greek here. The tense, it says, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We will see him because we were already made like him. We see him because we're already that way. I can't begin to tell you what that means. <laughs> but I want you to study it. I have a theory. Not going to share it. Because I'm just not going to share it. But I have a feeling. I have, the, I have a theory but something will change physically in us before Jesus comes to meet us in the clouds. Because we will already have been made ready to see him. See, if I went around the room here, and I would say, raise your hand if you could see if Jesus Christ is in the room right now. There might be one or two, maybe a couple that... Yes, my youngest daughter is the one that can see him. But you can't see him in the physical, can you? No, you see him in the spirit. But yet the entire bride is going to be able to see him in the physical. We're going to be able to see him because we will have been made and readied like him. What an extraordinary statement. Do you see what is set out for you guys? Do you see what is set out for the bride? If you would just open your eyes and see it and believe it, believe it by faith, all of a sudden, all the verses, all these promises become alive, become amazing. Oh, what things, what plans I have for you. Man, you would not even be able to imagine the things. That God has for us. He even has said that, I'd tell you, but you wouldn't understand it anyways. So all these things start to take form when we understand what he's doing. Guys, we are not supposed to live on this earth as the bride in defeat. We are not supposed to live here thinking, I just have to put in my time till finally I get to be with Him. Generation after generation after generation after generation has done that and gotten us nowhere. Nowhere. 2,000 years. Understand, this was ready when Jesus went to heaven. It was available right then. His kingdom was available right then. Now, I'm not saying this by saying that I blame the original apostles. Good night, I have their lives to look on that I can learn from. But shame on us if we don't learn. Shame on us if we don't recognize what he is doing. And I know for us here, they can't tell online, as far as online, they, they don't see you guys. But they know we're in a house. They know we're 40 to 50 people. 
in this house, it's easy to look around and think, what kind of difference can we make in the bride? What kind of difference can be done with just us? I'm here to tell you, and I declare it, that it will be the small that he does it through. Do you understand why? Because he's not going to share the glory with anybody. He will not share the glory with anybody. That's why if you look at every movement in history, it began with one or a very few. He didn't build congregations of 20, 30, 40, 50,000 to make some splash in some puddle. And he's not going to do that here. Last scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. This is what we all look forward to. This is what we all pray for. Starting at verse 51. And this is Paul talking about this mystery that we've talked about many times. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, or or in other words, we shall not all die. But we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed, those who are alive. This is the rapture. This is the culmination of the Song of Songs. This is when the bride is ready. This is when all has been accomplished through this world. Jesus, who already paid for that accomplishment, is waiting for his bride to rise up together in unity. By the way, there's only one way we can do that. I'm going to really surprise you here. This is going to really floor you. Get ready. It's through relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. Huge revelation. Why? Because, see... Let, let, let's say, let's say that, that there was this charismatic leader and you look to a leader to follow and move and there's movement and there's, there's, because this leader is godly and everything else. It's only going to go so far. We have dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of that. No, what will make this happen? is when the bride understands relationship, understands that with their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, walking in the very purity that we talked about just a little bit ago in that verse, that they will hear from the Lord. That the Lord will tell them their portion. We are all to play a part. We're all to come together with our part. If we don't, then it's just going to be another generation that doesn't get it and doesn't move on. But I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen this time. It is happening now. The Father has told me time and time again that He has already set in motion what is going to happen, and it will not stop. It will not stop. 
But will it include you? See, he's never going to force it. That's your choice. That's your relationship with him. That's the choice that sits before everyone in the bride right now. Imagine, imagine if the bride were unified in relationship with him. Imagine if 10% of the bride were unified in relationship with him. You wonder what that is going to look like? Guess what? You're going to see it. Because in ending, what I want to tell you is this. Like I said before, nothing's changed. But God will not share his glory with anyone. He will not share his glory with Donald Trump. He will not share his glory with some other human. He will not share his glory with me. He will not share his glory with with any other preacher, any other leader. It will be him. It will be him. He is the one that will get the credit for what is about to happen. Remember the verses that, that said that that. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. Guess what, guys? That hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. I think, was, was that in uh, Amos or Joel? And then, and then obviously quoted in the New Testament as well. But that hasn't happened yet. We haven't seen the Holy Spirit, his power poured out on all flesh. I haven't seen it. Why? Because Satan is still the prince and power of this world. Satan will be bound. He will be paraded. And nations will see, how in the world did that guy? Yeah, okay, so he's a principality. So what? How did he deceive so many? How did he deceive us? See, when you see Jesus Christ and who he is, who he truly is, you won't be deceived by Satan. You'll recognize Satan for who he is. He is a deceiver, but he is not to be allowed to deceive in our lives. But we let him every day. This is coming. It's coming. The Holy Spirit is about to release a power That has never been seen. That's why Jesus said, you will do more miracles than I ever did. does, Does that statement bother you a little bit? It does me. Because we didn't see that with the apostles. We didn't see that even in the book of Acts. We didn't see that in any New Testament book. We haven't seen it in any history. We haven't seen it in even the latest the latest uh, uh, revivals. We have never seen that. Because John said if he were to write all, all the things that Jesus did, miraculous things, the world couldn't even hold the volumes. Now, I know that's a metaphor, but you know, it's a whole lot more than what you see in these 66 books. And that's both Testaments. So it's not happened yet. He is going to pour out his Spirit On all flesh. How he's going to do that, I can't tell you. I don't know. But I know something is about to happen. Something is coming. 
that will be obvious to those in relationship with him that it's him. And it will produce miracles like we've never seen. I know there there are people out there right now, so many preachers, and it, it just disgusts me. It saddens my heart when a preacher spends their time just raking over the coals people who, you know, claim miracles, who claim healings. I have seen healings. We've seen them here. Nothing compared to what's coming. I've heard of dead being raised. Never seen it. And nobody has seen it in public mass, like masses of people seeing it. But guess what? They're going to. In fact, I believe that will be the catalyst. I believe that there are going to be miracles that are seen by the masses that are like, what? How in the world? And then you'll have your group of people that says, well, yeah, that was just a Hollywood set and it's all fake and everything else. Sorry for that jab. You're going to have people that don't believe. You're going to have people that look at ways to explain what happens. But I'm telling you, if you know Jesus Christ in relationship, not just as Savior, if you know him in relationship, you will not miss a step. You will not. He won't need to leave you behind because you're with him. You'll be part of this. And that's what he wants. Let's come on up. Spirit was just shaking me so badly and so good in a good way. Um, this is the truth of what the Lord gave me this morning and gave you. I'd rather hear on a Mother's Day than any typical Mother's Day message. Um, God is good. There's amazing things coming, and um, wow. Um, before I close in prayer, his last little point about the lack of belief. There's already a strategy underway by the enemy to desensitize and to um, intellectualize and normalize some of these oddities and weird phenomenons by the programming that's being produced out of Hollywood. There's a lot of uh, shows, series that have to do with um, the the divine, the alien, the you know the abnormal, the miraculous. And, and if, you, if you follow any of the storylines, they take you down a line of thinking that's just close to God but not. So be, be very, very uh, discerning. Uh, either avoid them completely, ask the Lord about that, or be very discerning if you watch some of these because um, there's, this is the timing of some of this stuff coming out, certain shows, is absolutely because the enemy knows as well what is coming. And he is going to want to have as few people there are few people's eyes opened as possible to some of these things that are happening. And if he can desensitize people now 
with uh, what the Lord wants to, to pour out. He doesn't know all the details, but, but he definitely knows. And so that's why there's this bizarre amount of supernatural um, phenomenon type shows coming out. And, and it is a strategy to get our thinking in a direction that is not what we heard this morning. So we've got to go to the Word. We've got to go back through it and look at it for yourself. If you think you're going to retain what you heard this morning, you're not. And again, uh, Greg's mouth, Greg's person is irrelevant to what the truth is. You've got to go to the Word, set aside your presuppositions, set aside your lifelong, I've been in the church forever and I've done thousands of Bible studies, set aside all of that and just go like a little child to the Word. And let him just download the mystery of what is coming, it is mind-boggling, and I'm going to leave it there. Father God, I just thank you. You just, you just completely rock and wreck me with the awesome wonder of the great God that you are. I just tremble in your presence, God, because you are mighty. You are holy. I thank you, God, that you have used the seemingly foolish things, Lord, and you have confounded those that think they're wise in earthly terms, but you've revealed it to those whose hearts are soft and are willing to believe the Hebrews 11.1 1, um, faith verse that is on its faith, not nonsensical, because it's Faith being the substance of only the things we hope for, the evidence of something we don't see, they all sound like, like a big oxymoron. But God, that's what you ask. You ask for trust. And then you open eyes and you show us so clearly. And when we're in your kingdom realm, nothing around us in this life looks anything like your kingdom. So we truly become aliens in this world. We become foreigners. Because we're citizens of a realm that mankind apart from you cannot know. And I just, I just thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you are the rock upon which we stand. Even those that are seeking just the supernatural will go astray. But you are faithful as we sang over and over today in worship. Thank you. Great is your faithfulness to me. Thank you, God. That you are faithful to keep us from walking in deception, to, to uh, with a contrite heart, to pull us back on track if we go astray in our thinking. God, I just, I thank you so much for that. If I didn't have confidence in that very thing, I'd be swayed by the criticisms of those already thinking that we're off our rocker. But God, I trust you. I don't trust me to be possibly deceived, but I, I put everything I am in your hands, God. And what you've shown me, I cannot explain. Your word is opening up so deep. It's unfathomable. It is layered in beautiful, life-breathing truth. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for the relationship that you offer, the two-way street of communication, to hear your voice. It is so holy, and I'm not even worthy to hear it, and yet you offer it to every believer who will just open themselves up to you. 
So God, I praise you. I ask in the name of Jesus, you take this word, this mystery, this truth, this revelation that is revealed at this time. It is significant that this is revealing, being revealed now. These messages, this truth. We may, we're not the only ones, but you are revealing mysterious truths that are exactly your word. They are your word. Right now, because of what you're doing. And I thank you, God. This is not a new gospel. This is just your word being shown and revealed that was planned before the foundations of the earth. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for opening our eyes. Continue to let us seek your face and not just search for it so that we can intellectually know something and feel stable by the security of of this truth to our minds, but to just seek you, Jesus, because you are the truth. It is you, the way, the truth, and the very life, God, that we have. So I thank you. We worship you. Take us from this place filled with your truth. In the name of Jesus, amen.